Take your Bible and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to find out today what believers will receive from the Lord. We saw what God has done in the first few verses of 2 Peter chapter 1. We saw what God expects believers to do in the few verses after that. In chapter 1, verse 1, we read, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature." having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, in your faith supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance godliness, and in your godliness brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, supply love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. And now we're in verses 10 and 11 today. Therefore, brethren... Be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Question, how can I know that I'm saved? That's a good question for any person who wants to follow the Lord Jesus Christ to ask. How can I know that I'm saved? I would say that it is perhaps the most important question that you could ever ask. It's the most important question because it is the question that will affect your eternity, not just something that happens here on earth. And I want to ask you another question. Can you really afford to just wait and see? A lot of people think, well, I don't know if I can be, I don't know if I'm truly saved. I guess I'll just wait and see. I'll just find out. Can you really afford to just wait and see? What if you're wrong? What if you realize after it's too late that you were wrong and that you were not saved? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so, so if I were to ask you a question, do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I hope that you'd say, yes, I do. Well, if that's true, then John tells us in that verse we just read that you can know for certain that you have eternal life. Now, there's a lot of wrong ways to 
try to convince yourself that you're saved. A lot of inaccurate ways to try to confirm your salvation. One of the ways that some people try to believe that they're saved is through legalism. Legalism basically says, you know, I'm so good, I earn God's favor. I'm a good person, I've never killed anybody, or I, I do all these good things, and I go to church a lot, I'm very religious, and, and so I, I'm pretty sure that I'm saved because, after all, if God, I was God, God, certainly he, he wouldn't, wouldn't I want to have me in his kingdom? Legalism says that you can earn God's favor. That's just not true. We know it's not true because of the nature of sin and the depth of sin in a human heart. But some people hang on to this idea that they're just good enough that they can earn God's favor. That's legalism. Others adopt a, what has been called an easy beliefism. And they come to the conclusion that, well, I remember years ago I prayed a prayer. And so I know I must be good because I prayed a prayer. Or I heard some evangelist, and I walked down an aisle. I was really moved about his story about his mama. And I walked down the aisle because I love my mama too. And so I must be saved because I, I remember walking down that aisle. Or I remember a little bit later after that, maybe I was baptized and I got wet. And I remember getting baptized. And so I must be saved because... I've done all these things that seem to indicate that I made some type of decision for the Lord. I've engaged in some type of ritual. Some people in more formal churches would say the same type of thing. Well, I'm saved because my family's Catholic. Or I'm saved because I go to Mass. Or I'm saved because I uh, had some, some priest on Ash Wednesday put a cross on my head with ashes. They've gone through some type of ritual, in some type of easy ritual that anyone could do, saved or lost, and they think that that's the reason that they are saved. It's an easy type of beliefism. It's a, another false path to really confirming whether you're saved or not. So let me ask you a question. Are you sure that you're saved today? Do you know? Do you know that you know? Are you absolutely sure that you're saved? In 1 Peter chapter 2, the verse that we just read in verse 10, look at this again. It says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. Be diligent to make certain. Are you certain? Are you sure that you're saved? Now, some people read verse 10, and they believe that verse 10 promises eternal security other people read the same verse and they think that it doesn't that it's that it promises that you might lose your salvation look at verse 10 again people who believe that people who want to read this verse and believe that it promises eternal security look at that very last phrase in verse 10 it says you will never stumble you will never stumble and they hold on to that last phrase Hey, I'm never going to stumble. I'm eternally secure. Other people who believe that they can lose their salvation, they focus on a different part of that phrase. In verse 10, in the middle of that verse, it says, For as long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. As long as. And so they come to the conclusion that if I stop being a good Christian, 
I can lose my salvation. They come to that conclusion. Here's the reality of what Scripture teaches regarding eternal security and the warnings that Scripture gives us to continue on the path of Christian faithfulness. The reality is that keeping you secure is God's business. It's what God does. God is the one who keeps you secure. How do we know this? In John chapter 10, Jesus was meeting with a group of people. And we'll eventually get to verse 27. But in John chapter 10, I want to read a few verses before that. It says in verse 22, At that time, at the Feast of Dedication, that feast took place in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. Then the Jews gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me, but you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. And then in verse 27, we have this incredible promise. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Keeping you secure is God's business. It's what God does. Jesus made a promise. If you're part of his flock, if you are his sheep, you are secure. No one can snatch you out of his hand. The Father's greater than all. No one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. You are secure. That's God's business. But making certain that you're saved is your business. Making certain that you're saved. That's your business. That's what Peter's talking about. In 1 Peter chapter 10, make certain that you're saved. Verse 10 says again, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. So, question, how can you prove your salvation? How can you confirm in your heart that you're saved? And let's be very honest and candid here. This world and the sinfulness of this world can cause doubts to creep in. You go through a bad time and you get away from the Lord and you begin to wonder, does God love me? Is God on my side? Am I a child of His? Is God listening to me? Do my prayers go anywhere? Do my prayers do anything? We live in a world full of sin and a world full of doubt, a world where... Not only is God and His Spirit speaking to our hearts because He dwells within us, but we live in a world where Satan, as the old adage goes, sits on our shoulder and whispers lies into our ears. And sometimes doubts can creep in. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if in your heart you know, hey, I, I follow Jesus Christ, then how can you know for certain that you're saved? How can you prove it? 
how can you confirm it to yourself much less to anyone else but how can you confirm it to yourself Peter tells us how we've already read the verses verses 5 through 7 here's how you do it Peter says for this very reason also applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence Peter says you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ good add to that moral excellence add to your life a morally excellent ethic be above reproach and then add to that add to your moral excellence knowledge knowledge of God's will knowledge discernment understanding what is right and what's wrong and choosing to do what is right and then your knowledge he says add to that self-control and then your self-control add to that perseverance go the entire distance don't give up and then your perseverance add to that godliness behave like Jesus do what Jesus would do and add to godliness brotherly kindness be kind to people be kind especially to your brothers and sisters in Christ show them love and compassion and add to that love add to brotherly kindness love love for all people sacrificial love being willing to do things for other people even if it's painful to yourself you see what Peter's saying is true believers they want to cultivate their relationship with God they want their relationship to God with God to grow they want to grow closer to God there's something that goes on within your heart that drives you to grow closer to God, that draws you closer to God. And that something is not a something, but it's a person. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who dwells in you, He is the one who convicts you of sin when you make a mistake. He is the one who compels you to grow closer to Christ. So how do you prove your salvation? You grow in your relationship. Peter's been talking in this entire first chapter so far about growing closer to God, showing the effort, giving the effort to draw close to God. And by doing that, you show that you're saved. What is it the believers will receive? If you do these things, you'll receive assurance of salvation. You will receive an ability and understanding that you will never ever fall verse 10 concludes again as long as you practice these things you will never stumble wouldn't that be good to know wouldn't that be great tomorrow morning to wake up with the understanding the knowledge the absolute knowledge in your heart that you are secure in christ how are you going to know that for certain take the time today to grow take the time today to grow closer to god to add these qualities into your life. And so you'll have the understanding and the knowledge that you will never fall. The second thing that believers receive is God's kingdom. You can think of it as heaven. Although our understanding of heaven has to be more than simply understanding that it is the place where we go when we die. It is that, but it's much more than that. Because Scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that God is going to take that heaven and bring it here to the earth. And we'll be reunited with our physical bodies, resurrected, given a glorified body, reigning with Christ forever and ever. 
with a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth. And that will be our fate. That is the other thing that is promised to you. Look at verse 11. Peter says, For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. I like that verse. He says, By doing these things and understanding, coming to the understanding that you are eternally secure, you'll also be given the knowledge in the here and now, today, the knowledge that you have an eternally secure future, not only that God's kingdom will be supplied to you, but he says God's kingdom will be abundantly given to you. Now, if when I die and I get to the gates of heaven, they open up those gates just enough for me to squeeze in, I'm sure that'll be good enough for me. I'll just squeeze on in. But that's not, that, that's not the idea here. The idea here, if you can imagine this imagery, is that those gates of heaven will burst open wide. And there's going to be a parade. There's going to be a grand entrance. There will be an announcement. David is here. Let's all hear. Let's all give the Lord a, some applause for what he did in David's life. God could even save David. God can save just about anybody. David is here. I don't know exactly what the entrance into heaven will be like when we die. But I think it'll be more than us sneaking around into the servant's entrance in the back. I think it's going to be an important thing. It certainly will be for us. We will have an abundantly supplied entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said it this way. On the day before he died, he had his disciples with him. And he said in John chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, many mansions, if you will. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, but so how do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me let's flip that around for a minute let's say it a different way you are part of God's kingdom you are a follower of Jesus Christ you will have access to the Father. Absolutely, you will. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father through me. I think he could have as equally said, everyone who comes through me will have access to the Father. Why? Because Jesus is the way, he's the life, he's the truth. At the very end 
of Paul's life, one of the very last things he wrote, we find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to the very last thing that Paul wrote. He said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's the last thing Paul wrote. He wrote it in prison. He wrote it as he was about to be tried and executed for his faith. He knew what was coming. And he said, the Lord will rescue me. Maybe not in the way that you and I think. But the Lord will rescue me. Because I have a safe place I'm going to. He will safely bring me into his heavenly kingdom. And that enabled Paul, in prison, mistreated, and ready to die for Christ, to be able to say, To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. When's the last time that you were able to say, God, to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Are you going through a difficulty today? Going through a hard time? You have challenges, bills, health, whatever it else may be. Bad times. People that you love are hurting. Are you able to say in the midst of all that, to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We have a promise in Scripture. The promise is that we have assurance of salvation if we live for Christ. And we have assured for us entrance into God's kingdom. And I hope these words will encourage you this week. You know, you never know what's going to happen this week. You don't know what's going to happen. A crisis by its very nature is unexpected. If you saw it coming, you'd get prepared and it wouldn't be so much of a crisis. You never know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year. You don't know. All you can do is draw close to the Lord. And I pray that you'll do that. And He'll supply for you the encouragement, the wisdom, the understanding that you need to live for Him.